Welcome to another night of Warrior Reads. As always, make sure that you've handled anything before bed, that the room is dark, and that you're in a comfortable position. Remember, as you're listening, if you get excited by a story or interested, don't worry about it. Now is not the time for your mind to be racing. Now is the time for your mind to be resting. As always, we'll have copies of the recordings available on our website, as well as even the ability to order it should you want to in the morning. Now is the time for your reward for a good day lived or a reminder to be a warrior tomorrow. I'll give you about five seconds to clear your head and then we'll begin. Welcome warriors. Tonight, our selection is from the book Hero Tales from American History by Theodore Roosevelt and Henry Cabot Lodge. This book was written by one of America's most rugged warrior presidents and tells the tales of several American folk heroes. And tonight, we'll be going through the story of Daniel Boone and the founding of Kentucky. Daniel Boone was a guy that never figured out how to quit having adventures. He continually chose to live on the edge and explore new territory and push further and further into the unknown expanses of the American continent. His exploits didn't just garner him awesome stories and the title of American folk hero, but it even got him bar songs to be sung about him. Daniel Boone listened to the call of adventure and he just wasn't happy unless he was pushing the boundaries and seeing things nobody from his culture had seen before. Because of his commitment to live the fullest life that he could, others benefited from his exploration and settled the lands that he was adventurous enough to discover. Daniel Boone's story is a reminder that you bring honor to yourself and blessings to those around you when you continue the course of your hero's journey. As always, you can read this book at any time in the future, and it's worth the read, especially if you like American history. But as you release yourself from your adventures and trials of the day and prepare for the rest that you deserve, ask yourself this, a hundred years from now, what stories will people tell of my adventures? And what kind of meaning will they have for the future generations of warriors? So let's take a dive into the late 1700s to a time of untamed wild land and hear of the exploits of an American folk hero. So relax and enjoy. The story starts off with a famous bar song sung about Daniel Boone and the founding of Kentucky. Boone lived hunting up to 90, and what's still stranger left behind a name, for which men vainly decimate the throng. Not only famous, but of that good fame, without which glories but a tavern saw. Simple, serene, the antipodes of shame, which hate nor envy ever could ting with wrong. 
Tis true, he shrank from men, even of his nation. When they built up into his darling trees, he moved some hundred miles off for a station, where there were fewer houses and more ease. But where he met the individual man, he showed himself as kind as mortal can. The freeborn forest found and kept them free, and fresh as in a torrent or a tree. And tall and strong and swift of foot were they, beyond the dwarfing city pale abortions, because their thoughts had never been the prey or care of gain. The green wood were their portions. Simple they were, not savage, and their rifles, though very true, were yet not used for trifles. Serene, not sullen, were the solitudes of this unsigning people of the woods. Daniel Boone will always occupy a unique place in our history as the archetype of the hunter and wilderness wanderer. He was a true pioneer and stood at the head of that class of Indian fighters, game hunters, forest fellers, and backwoods farmers, who generation after generation pushed westward the border of civilization, from the Alleghenies to the Pacific. As he himself said, he was an instrument ordained of God to settle the wilderness. Born in Pennsylvania, he drifted south into western North Carolina and settled on what was the extreme frontier. There he married, built a log cabin, and hunted, chopped trees, and tiled the ground like any other frontiersman. The Allegheny Mountains still marked a boundary beyond which the settlers dared not go. For west of them lay immense reaches of frowning forest, uninhabited save by bands of warlike Indians. Occasionally, some venturesome hunter or trapper penetrated this immense wilderness and returned with strange stories of what he had seen and done. In 1769, Boone, excited by these vague and wondrous tales, determined himself to cross the mountains and find out what manner of land it was that lay beyond. With a few chosen companions, he set out, making his own trail through the gloomy forest. After weeks of wandering, he at last emerged into the beautiful and fertile country of Kentucky, for which, in after years, the red man and the white strove with such obstinate fury that it grew to be called the dark and bloody ground. But when Boone first saw it, it was a fair and smiling land of groves and glades and running waters, where the open forest grew tall and beautiful, and where innumerable herds of game grazed, roaming ceaselessly to and fro along the trails they had trodden during countless generations. Kentucky was not owned by any Indian tribe, and was visited only by wandering war parties and hunting parties who came from among the savage nations 
living north of the Ohio or south of the Tennessee. A roving war party stumbled upon one of Boone's companions and killed him, and the others then left Boone and journeyed home. But his brother came out to join him, and the two spent the winter together. Self-reliant, fearless in the frowning defiles of the Cumberland Gap. They were attacked by Indians and driven back, two of Boone's own sons being slain. In 1775, however, he made another attempt, and this attempt was successful. The Indians attacked the newcomers, but by the time the parties of the would-be settlers were sufficiently numerous to hold their own. They beat back the Indians and built rough little hamlets, surrounded by log stockades. At Boonesboro and at Haroldsburg, and the permanent settlement of Kentucky had begun. The next few years were passed by Boone amid unending Indian conflicts. He was a leader among the settlers, both in peace and in war. At one time, he represented them in the House of Burgess in Virginia. At another time, he was a member of the first little Kentucky Parliament itself, and he became a colonel of the frontier militia. He tilled the land, and he chopped the trees himself. He helped to build the cabins and stockades with his own hands, wielding the long-handled, light-headed frontier axe as skillfully as other frontiersmen. His main business was that of surveyor, for his knowledge of the country and his ability to travel through it, in spite of the danger from Indians, created much demand for his services among people who wished to lay off tracts of wild land for their own future use. But whatever he did and wherever he went, he had to be sleeplessly on the lookout for his Indian foes. When he and his fellows tilled the stump-dotted fields of corn, one or more of the party were always on guard, with weapon at the ready, for fear of lurking savages. When he went to the house of Burgesses, he carried his long rifle and traversed roads not a mile of which was free from danger of Indian attack. The settlements in the early years depended exclusively upon game for their meat. And Boone was the mightiest of all hunters, so that upon him devolved the task of keeping his people supplied. He killed many buffaloes and pickled the buffalo beef for use in winter. He killed great numbers of black bear and made bacon of them, precisely as if it had been hogs. The common game were deer and elk. At that time, none of the hunters of Kentucky would waste a shot on anything so small as a prairie chicken or wild duck, but they sometimes killed geese and swans when they came south in winter and lit on the rivers. But whenever Boone went into the woods after game, he had perpetually to keep watch, lest he himself might be hunted in turn. He never lay in wait at a game lake, save with ears strained to hear the approach of some crawling red foe. 
He never crept up to a turkey he heard calling, without exercising the utmost care to see that it was not an Indian. For one of the favorite devices of the Indians was to imitate the turkey call and thus allure within range some inexperienced hunter. Besides this warfare, which went on in the midst of his usual vocations, Boone frequently took the field on set expeditions against the savages. Once when he and a party of other men were making salt at a lick, they were surprised and carried off by the Indians. The old hunter was a prisoner with them for some months, but finally made his escape and came home through the trackless woods as straight as a wild pigeon flies. He was ever on the watch to ward off the Indian inroads and to follow the war parties and try to rescue the prisoners. Once his own daughter and two other girls were with her, were carried off by a band of Indians. Boone raised some Indian friends and followed the trail steadily for two days and a night. Then they came to where the Indians had killed a buffalo calf and were camped around it. Firing from a little distance, the whites shot two of the Indians and rushing in, rescued the girls. On another occasion, when Boone had gone to visit a salt lake with his brother, the Indians ambushed them and shot the latter. Boone himself escaped, but the Indians followed him for three miles by the aid of a tracking dog, until Boone turned, shot the dog, and then eluded his pursuers. In company with Simon Kenton and many other noted hunters and wilderness warriors, he once and again took part in expeditions into the Indian country, where they killed the braves and drove off the horses. Twice bands of Indians, accompanied by French, Tory, and British partisans from Detroit, bearing the flag of Great Britain, attacking Boonesboro. In each case, Boone and his fellow settlers beat them off with a loss. At the fatal Battle of the Blue Licks, in which 200 of the best riflemen of Kentucky were beaten with terrible slaughter by a great force of Indians from the lakes, Boone commanded the left wing, leading his men, rifle in hand. He pushed back and overthrew the force against him. But meanwhile, the Indians destroyed the right wing and the center and got round of his rear, so that there was nothing left for Boone's men except to flee with all possible speed. As Kentucky became settled, Boone grew restless and ill at ease. He loved the wilderness. He loved the great forests and the great prairie-like glades and the life in the little lonely cabin where from the door he could see the deer come out into the clearing at nightfall. The neighborhood of his own kind made him feel cramped and ill at ease. So he moved ever westward with the frontier. And as Kentucky filled up, he crossed the Mississippi and settled on the borders of the prairie country of Missouri, where the Spaniards, who ruled the territory, made him an alcade or judge. He lived to a great age and died out on the border, a backwoods hunter to the last.